0: Conversations About Visual Arts with host Alejandro. You're listening to CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon or streaming live around the world on cfcr.ca. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook or download the podcast on iTunes for free. Our guest for tonight is Felicia Gay, curator at the Wanuskewan Heritage Center. Good evening, Felicia.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Pretty good, and yourself? (laughs) Good. I would like to, to start the evening in... With an introduction of who you are and how do you became a, a curator, what is your career your and your life path in regards to the indigenous arts and becoming a curator?
1: Like how I started? Sure. <laughs> I knew nothing about art starting out, coming to university. Um, I actually started off doing a three-year degree in archaeology because I was so interested in the Indiana Jones stories as a kid and, you know, I was enamored with it but I took a art history class with Ruth Cuthand started visiting galleries um, and I got a job with Gary Young on campus at the uh, campus gallery, Gordon Grove Gallery just became immersed in, in art culture and it was really, I found really politically aligned with how I thought about the world my mom was, was an activist growing up She's really interested in, um... Well, she was a child of the 60s. She was interested in the American Indian movement. So I grew up listening to resistance, you know, stories of resistance and, and, um... You know, it, it just didn't align with archaeology for me, so I just started taking more and more art history classes and got a degree in, in uh, an honors degree in art history with a focus on Aboriginal contemporary art. I started working with Lori e. Blondoa Tribe, and and then I started to curate shows while at Tribe, and um, well, my first show, and then can't remember the year, but we started a small artist center. Artist-run center on 20th Street called the Redshift Gallery with Joy Arcand and an artist, Indigenous artist. Yeah. So and then did years and years of that, and I just just hired on at scale heritage park this past year and we just finished up our three-year programming what
0: did you think triggered the opening of the red chief gallery
1: it was actually um, an article i read about uh, maori women in new zealand who were creating these language nests and how they actually revitalized their language and i thought holy cow if these women can can do that just for at a local level why can't we um, as women start a gallery because there there is no gallery here in saskatoon there's nothing really for people in the north um um, there's a little bit in the South. So we just felt we needed a space where, you know, uh, our Indigenous artists wouldn't have any kind of censorship and they would have a way to have that professional development, be able to have those solo shows that they need for their, you know, for their resumes. And so it was all about advocacy and it was all about voice. That that was our main thing. And and it was that article that that inspired us. So we just... You know, I was pregnant at the time. I think I was almost, I was almost due. So I was probably a little hormonal and crazy. And <laughs> we we chipped in for rent and started renovating. People from the community came and helped. And yeah, so it was it was a crazy time. And, you know, it was great.
0: How long the gallery was open?
1: Yeah, about five years, yeah.
0: How was the transition from an independent curator and gallery owner to a full-time curator in a gallery like Wanuskewan?
1: There was quite a prolonged period in between. Um, I was doing my master's after uh, Redshift closed, so um, my focus then was on my education, and I was doing some freelance curating as well, and working for different nonprofit organizations in the arts. Wanuskewin came about. They haven't had a set curator for many, many years, and they're going a very different direction. They they want a real focus on on the gallery and the exhibitions and promoting the Indigenous arts, especially the contemporary arts. Um, so they needed a professional curator in place, and I just happened to be here. Like I, I obviously I was interviewed with many, many other curators, but I think they they wanted someone who was Indigenous and who knew that indigenous contemporary art.
0: That opens uh, kind of worms in, yeah. in a sense because you are fortunate that you work as a curator, one of very few curators across Canada that is indigenous have has a position of curatorial yeah. in a full time with decision-making power without yeah. the red tape uh, and censorship mm-hmm. for the kind of exhibitions that you want to do. How do, you f- how do you feel about you being one of those few people that have this privilege and this honor to do this
1: well I feel very honored obviously Um, you know um, I think it's timely I think it's needed I'm um, very much for supporting our community in Saskatoon and, and in our region. So I think if your heart's in the right place, then that position, you know, although it does have that type of power, you know, um, you know, we have a board of elders um, that I answer to. We have a network that we go through. But I should say that Wanuskewin is also going to be expanding like its galleries. it's They're going to get larger. We're also going to be um, implementing some new and exciting things I can't really talk about. It's kind of on the, you know, the download, but one is going to be doing some really new and innovative things in the, f- in the very near future, which we can talk about in another show. Absolutely. <laughs> in the near future. But, um, you know. I think especially you know in terms of if you look at our region we have such a high population um, of indigenous people so that's one of my goals is to have that visibility um, for indigenous people and non-indigenous people because you know our people have a very difficult time entering the gallery space because it's been such a white cube for so long and you know I'm really working towards bringing them um, into the gallery space to view the art and, and to get excited about it and to see that, you know, their voice is in this, in this cube, but you know, and also have programming that is outside the cube, obviously, like performance art and I want to bring more out and um, new media and different you know, different genres and Voices and
0: How do you manage to select uh, the pieces or the artists or the exhibitions that come to One of Sky One?
1: Well, um, you know, I, I have uh, a work plan that I do, um, that I'll be doing each year. Part of it is, you know, like once a year I want to um, do a community-based collaboration, you know, with the uh, indigenous community or indigenous group like Commonweal, um, which is not indigenous, but you know what I mean, um, there's so many shows I'll do a program year with emerging artists so that they can develop their, you know, their career. I want to show senior artists just to from other places so that people will be exposed to their, their type of art that, you know, maybe would never get to see their type of art in, in here in Saskatoon. Um, so, you know, over the years, obviously, I've been involved in the art community since I think 2003 so you know i've built a network I've, I've built up a knowledge base of who artists are but you know i'm constantly re- researching and, and looking into you know studio visits and, and researching who artists are and um, sometimes i select artists sometimes people send proposals into to a and and we view them and pending that, that's just how i don't know how
0: it goes it yeah. changed Do you find that the ways indigenous artists work is different than non-indigenous artists do you find that creating for indigenous artists is different than created to non-indigenous artists and again if there's a difference or there shouldn't be a difference between both
1: i don't know if there's like um <laughs> a difference you know obviously there's there is art for art's sake which does not interest me you know it just it never did it it bores me and I think as a curator what I found is that I I um curate um from my own situated knowledge because that's that's what I know and that's where the themes come from that's where the knowledge comes from and then you know when I look at artists if they're also creating work from their own situated knowledges to me that's really powerful it can be anything you know and you can peg it as indigenous art but really they're just speaking their stories and their truth and I think that's powerful and I think it reads to other people so um
0: do you find that the a curator is a curator do you see yourself also creating uh, non-aboriginal artists?
1: I think um you know, like n- not so much at one scale, one in terms, but um, as a freelance curator, you know, I, I probably could, yeah, yeah.
0: Because there has been conversations about the Aboriginal world and the non-Aboriginal world, and and I know because I have witnessed in 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 some of these symposiums that I have attended mm-hmm. that are great, and actually there's one coming one. Going to be held in different locations in Regina from February 24th to the 27th of this year. You can check them on their website and on Facebook, but also you can uh, Google it Storytellers Festival and Indigenous Artist Symposium in Regina 2016, and you will come up with the information. Hosted by the First Nation University and Sagiwak? S- S- Sagiwak. Sagiwak. recommend mm-hmm. everybody to go. And this, these are opportunities for artists to speak. And I have heard that there's a division and an understanding that Indigenous art or artists that are Indigenous have nothing to do with the theme and have nothing to do with who they are as an artist. They're first artists and then they happen to be Indigenous. And some choose to work a traditional way that is indigenous, some other choose to work more contemporary ways, but indigenous subjects, and other choose to not do any of those, or not identify.
1: This is an old argument.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, but there's some people that are not aware of it, and I think we can talk a little bit about that if you feel comfortable.
1: My my own stance on that is that um, if you're creating art and you're indigenous, it's indigenous art because you're speaking about your truth and who you are i think people shouldn't think too hard on that you know like if you're creating a body of work people may categorize you but i don't think you should worry about it you know and i don't think that you should go the route artist first and then you know i think that's kind of baloney too i think it it weakens the art when you do that i think people shouldn't just go they shouldn't go down that road bob boyer like if it just talked a lot about that he, he wrote essays about it and he his stance was the same like he just thought you know people people sh- uh, indigenous artists shouldn't, shouldn't go down that road like um you know artists artists first because you're indigenous you should be proud of that and it's your power what
0: about artists that are not indigenous doing art that uh, relates to indigenous uh, themes, which is another kind of warmth.
1: Yes. Um, you know, I've, I've come across that where artists who are non-Aboriginal wanted to show art at when that were kind of what they thought was Aboriginal-themed or indigenous themed. To me, that's an appropriation. I don't think it's right. I would never show that type of art, I think. There's a long history of our people being used and abused in that area where um, their their visual culture and narratives are, are utilized for their own gain. So, But in terms of curating, I think it's also good to talk about curating non-Indigenous artists with Indigenous artists because it's really good to do that, I think, because you don't compartmentalize one or the other. And, and they kind of, I think, Bounce off each other and create this really nice critical dialogue, you know, like, and I've curated shows with non-Indigenous artists, with Indigenous artists to create a dialogue with each other. And I think that creates powerful, a powerful place.
0: You mentioned an exhibition that you created with the work of Wally Dion about mapping uh, sites. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you want to share a little bit more about uh, that kind of work? The exhibitions that you curate most of the time, or not to say all of them, <laughs> have an intention and have meaning behind it. And that exhibition w- was in Kelowna, you yeah. mentioned. So you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Like, um, Yeah, I think thematically all my shows, they they stem from from something about about me which I don't know is egotistical or if it just makes it you know a little more interesting but mapping me in is what it was called in in Kelowna there's an essay on their website yet you can actually access if you if you google it but mapping me in stems from Wally and I's history as people from Saskatchewan um, as indigenous people so how I how I viewed it was Wally was making these landmarks um, and these maps these visual maps where indigenous people could take them and kind of navigate through um, institutions of power of bureaucracy um, places that were difficult for indigenous people to navigate because of prejudice and stereotypes and racism um, and and also stems in history in that you know um Historically, our people, um, like I'm from the north, Wally's from the south. In the north, we have the petroglyphs and pictographs on on the um, Churchill River and Saskatchewan Rivers um, that helped us navigate uh, where where it was okay to rest, where it was okay to uh, trade, Um, sites where we could leave offerings to the little people for medicines, things like that. Wali in the south, they have these, these huge effigies, like human effigies, animal effigies, um, and they sometimes would mark um, places where water wasn't good to drink, like alkaline water that wasn't good to drink. Where there was good water to drink, where you know, where you could um, scry for hunting magic, where you could hunt, have a good hunt, and you know things like that. So. These, these were indigenous markers, right? So I was thinking, like, how could we have these markers in the present? So that's what the, that show was about, you know. Um, right now with the show, um, I did another show just recently called um, Eco, uh, Eco-Indian, and that was talking about our relationship with environment and how, you know, Indigenous people now—they're, you know—the new stereotype is, uh, you know, eco-terrorists and, you know, militant, and or else. Um, it's also about the very gray area in between, like, you know, in terms of economy and how, you know, in the north, um, many people need jobs. There's not a lot of economic development, so they work for these companies like Cameco and, um, you know, and so on and so forth. But, you know. Um, but there's a lot of health issues, and there's they found uranium drift in the water. People have high rates of rheumatoid arthritis, renal heart failure. These are things introduced by toxins, and people don't talk about it. So um, there's a stereotype of um, you know us stewards stewards of nature and the noble savage and you know, so it was very complicated, so I invited artists to talk about that. But, you know, I give them the space to talk about it, but it's it's coming coming from, from my thoughts and how I think about things, and then I'll present those ideas to artists, and then they can create work around that. So I, I give a lot of space to artists to, to do what they would like, if it interests them, you know. Um, right now at when we have a show called Counter History and the Other. Counter History... You know, I've always been a huge history buff. I, that's why I like art history. But as you know, growing up, you know, history is very situated in the West and, and it has a very specific narrative and it was written mostly by white males. So you don't learn a lot of uh, truth coming coming from the written word, right? You know truth just from growing up with your people, but it's not to say it's validated through a written text, right? How do we how do we um, approach that, right? You can de-center it, you can you can intervene with art, you know, there's lots of different strategies you can use with with art. Um, I use the term other, it's based on the writings of Edward Said, who's kind of like the post-colonial granddaddy of post-colonial theory. And he he's talking about his people, but we can also attribute that to any indigenous person. We're viewed as the other. There's the West and then the other. So the show is about countering history, Western history, how the other does that. In the show, there's two videos, one with Archer Pichawis, who's a longtime resident of Vancouver, but he's actually from Mistawasis Reserve here in Saskatchewan. And it's a video called Horse, and um, it's actually um, the horse... Is actually speaking in the video and he's talking he's he's relaying a history from the horse people and he was a horse that was actually involved in the battle of bighorn and was with sitting bull and he's he's relaying the history from his perception you know instead of from the indigenous perception or from from the, the western yeah yeah so um it's it's an interesting video you know and and to listen to it and then there's um another piece uh with tasha hubbard um who's speaking about the history of the buffalo and and how that you know um, that history relates to saskatchewan and and other places as well and And, um, you know, obviously in the plains here, there's a deep history with with, um, the disappearance of the buffalo and and how that affected um, the Indigenous people in this region and many other regions, actually. So we also have a piece with uh, Sherry Farrell-Rissette, who is a Métis artist and artist. the reason i like sherry is because um her she she has a very academic background and she's a has a very she's very educated very smart but she she just loves to research you could just sit and listen and talk to her and she's just full chock full of interesting tidbits and information about history and she's very well versed in indigenous history and she finds things like she'll she'll read Jesuit like (laughs) these narratives boring boring narratives and she'll find tidbits that people don't notice you know and then she'll infuse that in her artwork so she's talking about the history of Kateri you know there are a lot of indigenous people that are very dedicated to the catholic church and the two kind of icons to indigenous catholics here in Saskatchewan are Kateri and Guadalupe so She's talking about the the story of Kateri and and, um, how um, even the relationship with religion and the history with religion is not black and white. Because you'll have many young indigenous people going to university learning indigenous studies and they become very embittered and very hateful because they're learning the stuff that they didn't really know. They they feel the repercussions of history and and the racism and and you know being left as an outsider, but they they don't realize how deep and hurtful the history was. So oftentimes they're left with that and and no strategies of healing, or no strategies of transformation after that. So, um, but she's trying to teach people to look at it as um, it's not black and white. There's there's an in in-between. She did a really great artist talk. It's too bad. Um, she, she could go further into that, but you should get her on the show sometime. Oh, well, that would be great. Yeah. Um, and then we have a piece, a um, uh, painting series by Ruth Kethan, and it's... Um, Called a uh, the Cardston series, and it's um, six paintings, huge painting. It's about her history and her relationship with her family, and also growing up. Some of the time in her in her childhood in Cardston, Alberta, and that's when they were. Um, just building they ju- had just built the the mormon church there and it was this huge white temple atop a hill and she felt a lot of prejudice growing up there as an aboriginal child and and um she didn't feel included or welcome by the mormon church and um she um they're really interesting paintings they they talk um they actually take um the Mormon uh, Bible, before it was sanitized and, and kind of cleansed and made politically correct, so she takes what you know the the version that she grew up with in the '60s, right, and and puts it in gold text atop these um, images, these Dick and Jane teacher books images, and and um, and then the color she utilizes is this kind of apple green color, and and the reason she uses that color is because um, apparently she was. Um, listening to a CBC program one time about how children, um, don't dream in images on their young, they dream in color. That's how, you know, the feelings and how they're feeling, they, it's in color, right? So this particular color of green used to terrify her and make her feel really afraid. And, and so she used that color to kind of relay how she felt at that point in her life. So she's talking about that history and her relationship. So it's very personalized. Yeah.
0: Is all this new work commissioned for this exhibition, or they have this work been shown elsewhere?
1: It's been shown elsewhere, yeah. Yeah, so there's... Um, it, but it just fit within the, the theme of the show, yeah.
0: That's good. Yeah. So what are the dates of the exhibition?
1: Well, they're on now, but they go to April 1st, and then in April we'll be having um, Jeff Thomas. No, sorry, Barry Ace. Um, is going to be doing a uh, solo exhibition as well as um, Rosalie Fable. So there are two senior artists that are well-known in the community. So I wanted to make a really strong year of introducing our senior artists into um, the community and, and, you know, supporting them because sometimes they get a little left out, the senior artists, you know, because, you know, we're always trying to show these new up-and-coming artists.
0: (laughs) How do do you balance... uh, (laughs) You
1: You have to have... Um, well what I do is I have priorities for each program year so you know I have to f- I have to focus one or two on emerging I have to you know I'd like to give a solo exhibition in our small gallery to a mid-career artist you know it's all I'm always thinking about how to help the artists you know in their in their profession as ours like if they're full-time working artists then I, I want to be able to help them um, um, and I also think about the audience and how, you know, um, this art discourse can help them. So I, I always bring in strong artists to show um, uh, the public. So especially, and I'm always thinking of both Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal, you know, like, so how it can benefit and, and affect each group. So, yeah, so I think about a lot of things when I'm programming. So, yeah.
0: That's great. If somebody's is uh, that that is emerging, wants to get a hold of, of the gallery or yeah. want to show the portfolio and you don't know of them, what would be the best way to contact you?
1: Well, if they're in town, uh, you know, I'm always willing to do studio visits. So um, that's one way. You can you can uh, contact me at Juanescawen. I'm at 931-6767 and my extension is 234. Um, you can also email me felicia.gay at com. Um, I think you can find all my information on the website um, if you just Google Wanaskewin. But um, you know, you can book an appointment, come see me at Wanaskewin, but um, or you can go at the other route and just email me images and um, send me a proposal. And if the work is strong,
0: and it applies for emerging uh, senior artists maker. or established mixed careers. So, this is a great opportunity, it's a great location, yeah. it is a beautiful place to go with your family. There's a lot of activities that happen in Wanuske one yeah. and the exhibitions are always stunning.
1: Yes, we have a restaurant, we have ongoing programming every day um, with visitor services. Um, I think we have moccasin making coming up. We have all kinds of neat activities, so it's, it's a great place to check out. And the trails are stellar, even in, in the winter, it's great to check it out
0: anything else that you want to share with us or anything that you want to add any last thought
1: no just that uh you know every three months we'll be having new exhibitions and we'll be having receptions on saturdays that are open to the public with artist talks so it'd be great for the community to become more more involved um because it's one of um i think the few places in terms of size and capacity that you know indigenous artists can can have their work so um, i think we're one of the few galleries at its size and scale that are for aboriginal artists so it's great to support them Um,
0: it's a great space there's lots of parking Uh, you can (laughs) make it a
1: make a day of it
0: Go to the different galleries, go to the restaurant, and support the creativity of indigenous peoples of Saskatchewan. Yeah. Thank you, Felicia. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to One Frame Radio. This is your host, Alejandro, on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon, or streaming live around the world on cfcr.ca. You can continue the conversations on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Drop a comment or make suggestions about potential guests to the program. You can also download the past episodes of On Frame on iTunes for free. Have a great evening.